We're delighted. It's great to have Gordon with us this morning. Thank you. Let's give him a great big welcome. Thank you. Is that forest colours? <laughs> We're not having forest colours. Just to say that um, some of you are probably noticing I put a bit of weight on. Now, th- the reason is every time Derby win, I have a donut, and every time Forest win, I skip a meal. Is that a good one in it? Is that good? How? I mean, let, I've just got. Sorry, I can't open the Bible because I've sorted this out. How many Derby County supporters have we got here? How many Forest supporters? Get out. Oh. oh, do you know, I had to take my television back to Curry's, you know. I thought there was something wrong with it. I said, Derby are at the top and Forrest at the bottom. He said, don't worry, it'll rectify itself soon. No, no. It's really nice to be here. I have put weight on. I was in a church recently and at an induction service and a lady came up to me and she said to me, would you like a cup of tea? I said, yes, please, stronger rather than weaker. Semi-skilled milk, no sugar. An elder came up to me and said, how was the lady? I said, very courteous, very polite. He said, well, the lady is struggling with a drink issue at the moment. And sometimes at church, she's sometimes a little worse for wear. I said, no, she was so courteous, really nice. And uh, she went away and she came back a minute later. And she said, do you take sugar? And I said, do I look like somebody that takes sugar? And she said, I know a lot of fat people that don't. It's a terrible thing to say. Absolutely awful. I mean, obviously she'd had a drink. Um, I'm going to look into Zachariah. Is it Zachariah? Yeah, Zachariah. Now, if you're looking for Zachariah, find Matthew. Then work, it's two books towards Genesis. Okay, so find Matthew, and then we've got Malachi, and then we'll find Zachariah. You could use the index. Don't be embarrassed to use the index. As a Scotsman said, you've paid for it, so you can use it. I was born in Glasgow, by the way. So this is a, a, an unusual story I'd like to draw your attention to, if I may. May I say, it's really nice to be here. If you're a visitor, that it's not normally this banter. It's just been going on for years, hasn't it, really? I'm only invited because it's the only way we can keep Annette under control is when I, uh, when I arrive. So that's great. So, Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is what we call one of the minor prophets. Now, that's not because he was Welsh, right? One of the minor prophets are the very short prophets. There's some la- ma- the major prophets would be Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, which are long books. So this is one of the minor prophets. And sometimes in them you will find some little, well, I think this is a little nugget. I I, I get really blessed with this, Um, an occasion. And um, I'm just saying this so you've all found Zachariah now. And I'm going to read from chapter 3, okay, chapter 3. Now, the name Joshua is mentioned. This is not the Joshua who was Moses' servant. It's not the Joshua who went around the walls of Jericho. It's a different Joshua, okay? If you think that, you're going to miss the book. The point. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. 
the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you, is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Then Joshua was dressed in, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see I have taken away your sin, I will put rich garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you walk in my ways, keep my requirements, then you will govern my house that I have and have charge of my courts and I will give you a place among those standing here. Listen, O high priest Joshua, and your associates seated before you, who are men symbolic of things to come. I'm going to bring my servant the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on one stone, and engraved an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and says, I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. In that day, each of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. I need to pray. Father, we thank you that we can smile in your house. We've been worshiping, we've been rejoicing, we've committed to you the planning that we have for the other buildings, Lord, and and now we're just going to turn to your word. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to understand it. This is not an easy portion in many ways, but Lord, it's not the understanding that we really need the help with, it's the application. So, Lord, I pray that we'll not only understand it, but you'll use your word to change us to be more like Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is quite a a, a full story. It's it's almost a portion that would deserve a Bible study, but time wouldn't allow that. We have a scene set before us. We have Joshua, the high priest. So, in the Old Testament, there were high priests in Israel whose job it was to uh, be the senior priest within the temple, or before that, within the tabernacle. But we have a tragedy here. Joshua is presented to us as symbolic of the whole priesthood of Israel at this time. Things were not good spiritually in Israel. We find here that um, uh, Zechariah returned. Zechariah was a priest as well as a prophet. His grandfather returned with Zerubbabel in 537 BC. We read about that in the book of Nehemiah. And so we're in that period now where Israel have returned to the land after their exile and things are being put into place. He was a compadre of Haggai. They're both prophesying at the same time. As I've said, Joshua here is a symbol of the uh, degraded priesthood, the backslidden priesthood that had made its contribution to the fact why Israel had gone into exile. And this is the story of how this man is restored to God. How this man who had failed was brought back into a place of usefulness before God. And I hope as we look what happened to him and how what was said to him, it might help us in our journey this morning. First of all, Joshua was not what he should have been. We're told straight away, first of all, that he was standing before the Lord and um, the priest standing there and um, it says in verse 3, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes. He was, his ministry was unacceptable to God. All that he had, was doing was not acceptable. The high priest's 
robes had to be immaculate. They were symbolic of, of ministry, they were symbolic of holiness. And the moment a high priest, if, I mean, please do smile at this, a high priest was getting ready to minister, he spilled a cup of tea down the front, he had to change. It wasn't a matter of, oh, that'll do. It was a really important thing that the high priest, the way he dressed, the way he conducted himself, there was patterns, there were routines that he had to fulfill. And we're told here that this high priest was disqualified from serving God. He was disqualified because, in the words of this picture, his robes were filthy. He would have to change. His life was unacceptable. In fact, we're told that Satan himself turned up to accuse him. The great thing about this story is God does not argue with Satan. God doesn't turn around to Satan when Satan accuses Joshua and says, look at him, look at his behavior, look at the sin in his life, look at his filthy... God doesn't argue. God doesn't turn around and say, he's all... No, no, God doesn't argue. But God has the answer. You see, when Satan ever turns up, and you'll be very unlikely I didn't turn up personally, may I say, that if he ever does, or the the condemnation comes... And they say to you, you're the biggest sinner in Long Eaton. Don't argue. Because you, if you start to argue, it means you probably are. Because you've got pride. Say, I know it. But have you noticed what I'm wearing? And we'll look at that in just a moment. So this man was in a tragic situation. Here he was, standing. He had Satan here accusing him. The angel of the Lord was standing there. And it just wipes the whole thing out when he says, filthy robes stood before the angel. And the angel said to him, And those standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. The man was in with a chance. It looked as if all was lost. It looked as if he was disqualified. And God didn't say, I want to change the man, get another priest. He said, I want to change the priest I've got. And these clothes that were symbolic of sin, these clothes that were symbolic of falling short of what God required... He stood there, and Satan's accusing, God's not arguing. In fact, he speaks later about this being his sin. And God's answer is, let's clean the man up. Let's get the man back to a place of acceptability before God. The angel said to those standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. It's interesting to notice that others were involved in this. He didn't tell the man, you take off your filthy clothes. He turned around and said to the others, help this man. And how many of us, before we were Christians, were grateful for those that helped us get rid of our filthy clothes? Helped us on that discipleship way. I may have used this illustration before, I'm sure I have. I can remember when I first became a Christian that um, I I was on my way out of school. Uh, When I say that, I didn't mean I'd passed anything. I was told I couldn't stay on for a fifth year, and that was it. And I can remember coming out of my church in South Harrow in West London. And I can remember coming out. And we had an elder in the church there, lovely man. He was so old. Hang on, there might be one here. Um, he was so old. He was in the Camel Corps in the war. Now, I think that's pretty cool. When you're 15 in West London and you think you're cool, that's cool. You know, Camel Corps. And I came out of church and I went, cool, blimey, it's a bit cold, isn't it? Because I talked like that then. And this man caught me by the ear. Can't believe it. Can't remember the last time anybody did that to me. And he said, what did you say? I said, I'll tell you, let go of me. That's why my ears stick out. Because <laughs> so many people have gone, oi, Gordon. 
And he said to me, do you know what you've just said? I went, you know, I said, call blimey. Do you know what that means? I went, no. He said, it's a curse. It's an oath. I thought, well, I've never heard the word oath in my life, I don't think. I said, what is it? It means God blind me. I said, you shouldn't say it. I said, I won't, with my ears stinging. <laughs> See, that man taught me that I'm responsible for what comes out of my mouth. He taught me that part of my life for the Lord now was that I wasn't to dirty my garments with what I spoke about or what I did or my actions. Others taught me other things. And by the way, I'm still learning. And certainly, if you know me well, you know I haven't arrived. But that elderly gentleman taught me in a nice way. He got away with it, you know, earlier before Christ. I'd have slapped his hand. Get your hands off me. But he taught me that responsibility. And so it says there, they said, the angel around them, those standing before take off his filthy clothes. Sometimes we need help, you know, in our Christian lives. I was brought up in a home where you got on with it, you solved the problem, you got up early, you worked harder, you know, you didn't... We had a rule in the house, if you, any bother, don't bring it home. And I said, if you get any trouble, don't bring it home. So I didn't. I once helped the police after I'd become a Christian, and we ended up in the police station, my friend and I, and it got in the local paper that we'd help the police. And we got in the local paper, not because of our bravery, but let me tell you, we were brave. It, obviously not impressed. Um, <laughs> because we wouldn't swear on the Bible. We affirmed their evidence. And it went in all the papers, young lads. Anyway, uh, why am I telling you this? Oh, yeah. And I went home and I woke my dad up. I said, Dad, I've been in the cop shop. Any police officers here? Oh, yeah? Yeah, police station. Um, and he, I said, I've been in the police station till two in the morning. Because I was making statements and things. And you know what he said? You'll get no money from me and rolled over. That was it. That's the way it was. But, you know, that's the life, the, the, the way we are sometimes. And we need people to help us. So he comes to him and he says there, take off those standing before him. We need people to help us in those areas. As I said, I was brought up in a home where you got on with it. You solved the problem. But you know, without other Christians, I would not have survived to this point. People that help me take off my filthy clothes. I hope you're open to other people inputting. Anyway, just let me move on a little bit further. And then the angel said, and then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin. So we're left in no doubt what the problem was. The problem wasn't that he fell over and got muddy the problem wasn't that he spilt some tea down his nice new shirt. The problem is sin. Without being melodramatic, the problem's always sin. It just comes in different forms. And he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin. And that's what happened when you became a Christian. Your sin was taken away. When Jesus died on the cross, and that made it possible for all of our sins, of every human being that's ever lived, to have the forgiveness of God. And God comes to him and says, look, I've taken it away. One minute you were wearing this sin, one minute it was yours, one minute it had your name on the, the tag, but I've taken it away. And the great joy of the Christian life is this, that we didn't deserve it, and, but he's taken away our sin. When I stand before God, I stand before him as one who has never sinned. And yet I have and I do. Because he takes it away. And the picture was for Joshua, listen, take off 
is, has she ironed the back of the shirt? <laughs> take away the shirt. And he went, oh, there, oh, oh, take it away. It's got to go. And that's what God did with us. And it's a struggle sometimes to understand exactly what, he's taken it away. The Bible says he's taken our sin so far as the east is from the west. If you fly around the world, and I, I don't travel a lot, but recently I've actually flown around. I went America around to New Zealand and back again. I went right around. I'm always ca- catching up. I could be going around now, I was trying to catch myself up. As far as the east is from the west. That's what he's done with our sins. It tells us that he's put our sins behind his back, never more to be remembered. That's how complete it is. For Joshua, it was, listen, fellas, help him. Look at those filthy clothes. Look at that Gordon Neal. Look at his life. Come on. Let's get rid of those filthy clothes. And the scriptures tell us plainly it was because of his sin. You see, if I rob a bank, I commit a crime against, we'll say, the NatWest Bank. But I sin against God. That's the difference. The crime, if you like, was against the NatWest Bank. But the sin is against God. And he comes and he says to us here, listen, I've taken away your sin. And look what he did. And, and I will put rich garments on you. Ladies, what's the most expensive thing you've ever bought that you could wear? That includes handbags and shoes. That'll just speed things up a bit. Well, let me tell you this. I don't know what your bestest frock is. Do ladies wear frocks, or is that my age coming up? You know, your bestest dress, your bestest shoes, your bestest handbag. I don't know what it is, but let me tell you now, if you have become a Christian, you're wearing the richest garments that are possible for any human being to wear. And even if you come in here, and you get your clothes from a charity shop, but there's nothing wrong with that. The man preaching might be wearing one now. Let me tell you, in the sight of God, he has given you richest garments. Not just some anything at all. Because this man was not only having his sins forgiven, God had a future for this man, and his future required him to be wearing the richest garments. Put rich garments on you. It might be the preacher in me, but I noticed that the filthy garments were taken off by other people, but God put this rich garment on himself. Isn't that great? I don't know what you're wearing. I couldn't give two oats. But let me tell you, in God's sight, you're wearing the richest garment possible. You're wearing the righteousness of Christ. You say, well, God, I've not been a good person. No, that makes the robe sparkle all the more. Because grace supersedes our sin. Forgiveness overcomes it. And so for whatever I am or whatever I should be, I stand in God's presence now wearing the righteousness of Christ, the rich garments he's put upon me. My value is not what I think of myself. My value is what Jesus Christ thinks of me and what God thinks of me. And the Father thinks so much of me that he gave his only begotten son. That's my value. If I was to ask you this morning what you're worth, some might say, well, I'm worth 100 quid. Some might say I'm worth 50,000, I don't know. That's not what I mean. I tell you what we're worth this morning. Every Christian here is worth the same. Oh, you'll have different bank balances, but we're all worth the same. That's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we've sung about that made it possible for you to take off those filthy rags and God will put those rich 
garments on you. But he hadn't finished with him. That was his restoration. That was, sin was dealt with. He was now back in a place where he was walking with God. But God had a future for him. See, I have taken away your sin. I will put rich garments on you. Verse 5. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The turban was what the high priest would wear. So not only was at the beginning, he's a high priest who cannot minister. He's a high priest. He's a Christian who has allowed things to happen in his life and he's no longer eligible to serve the Lord. And God comes. He forgives his sins. He takes away his sin. He puts rich garments upon him. He is now in that place before God, standing in God's grace and God's mercy. But the minute... The turban went on. God is saying, you are now restored to ministry. Now the word ministry can cause confusion. Because you might think, oh, the ministry is what I'm doing now. May I assure you, it's part of the ministry that's going on in this church. But the people teaching the children this morning are as vital a ministry as myself. I may have a title, but I mean, that's got nothing at all. What's that got to do with the price of fish? Nothing. And you may be involved in a home group. You may be involved in making the tea, and it was very good, may I say. You know, it doesn't matter. It's being involved in ministry. And the moment the turban went back on, God is saying to him, yes, you were disqualified. Yes, you have failed. Yes, you've not walked with God as you should. Yes, there are things in your life that shouldn't be there. Now sort it out. I'm giving you rich garments, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Joshua. You've got something to do for me. And when the turban went on, he became a high priest again. Because he now had the clean clothes. He now had a clean turban. God had restored him to a place where he could minister for him. Christian friend, could that be you? Could that be you? Satan comes and stands next to you and says, that Gordon Neal's a rotter. And I go, you're right, he is. And you know, That just magnifies the grace of God even more. Do you need to change your clothes, Christian friend? I don't know. Certainly no compliment. I'm not pointing at anybody here. Do you need to change your clothes? Was there a time you ministered? Was there a time you served? And I'm not talking about the platform. Deliverance from that misnomer, please. Was there a time, let me put it like this, when you not only loved him and were grateful for his forgiveness, but you served him? It doesn't have to be mega doesn't even need a title. But you know there were times when you actually served the Lord. You were involved in seeking to move forward and be involved and part of what God is doing. But something happened. You spilled a cup of tea down your shirt. Called sin. You fell over, ladies, and dirtied your new jacket. And whatever that might mean to you, I'm here to tell you there's hope. Don't care how old you are, how young you are, what you did or what you didn't do. The antidote is the same for unsaved and saved alike with the matter of sin. It is removed, it is forgiven on the basis of the death of Jesus Christ and we are restored. That might help someone here. We move on a little further. I'm almost finished. You've listened ever so well. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel said this, gave him this charge. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says to you. Now, you see, it's one thing being forgiven. It's one thing having our filthy garment, our sin taken away and rich garments. It's one thing having a turban put on our head. That's fine. But Joshua is reminded that if he doesn't change the way he lives, it's going to happen again. Did you know that? If things don't change, they stop as they are. Right. So God comes to him and says, listen, I've done for you what you can't do. You can't forgive yourself. You can't make yourself acceptable. You can't make yourself righteous. But so the Lord Almighty says, verse 7, if you walk in my ways, okay, discipleship, and keep my requirements, seek to live a godly life, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts. Now, his house was the temple and the courts were the temple courts. He's speaking to a high priest. But let's just say that's the Christian life. And I will place you among these standing here. In other words, you will go from being one who needed others to help restore them to be one who helps others to be restored. He says, if you walk in my ways, keep my commandments, then you will govern my house. You will remain as a high priest. But be in no doubt. If you don't live a life that's acceptable, then you will be removed from ministry or service or what in that way. Now, we're not talking about losing salvation here. We're, we're talking about a place where we can serve the Lord. And you and I, we have to walk, if you walk in my ways. Can you think of anything God's asked us to do that is not for our benefit? It's all for our good. I don't think there's one law that he said that in the New Testament, you know, where it isn't for our good. I mean, forgive your enemies. That does you good, you know. Probably does you more good than your enemies. Let's rid of that bitterness and that resentment, etc., etc. So if you keep, if you walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will continue to be able to serve me. He then begins to prophesy about another occasion he's he's been talking about an individual he's been talking about the man joshua the high priest joshua who was disqualified and is now qualified again he says in verse 8 listen O high priest joshua and your associate is seated before you now it might just be the preacher of me but one minute when he's got filthy robes He's, they're standing around him. Now he's restored to ministry. He takes up that place where he's seated there standing in front of him. You think, oh God, you're reading a lot into that. Hang on a minute. We could be all mingling about before the service and if imagine the queen walked in, we'd all, oh, quick, quick, we'll get in our place. Have you been in church? And the bride arrives early. Well, that's never happened before, has it? But you know, the bride arrives. Oh, get in your seats quick, you know. And everybody gets in the seats. And there's, there's almost a realignment. And before it's that those standing around, now he says to them, those men seated before you. He was the high priest again, which brought with it honor and, uh, and blessing. See the stone I have set in front of you, Joshua. There are seven eyes on that stone. Your pastor will explain all of that to you later. The seven eyes on the stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty. And then this is the verse. This, oh, listen to this. Now, this is, we're talking about, I wrote it down here because I can never remember dates, 537 BC. So 
So it's at least 500 years before Christ was born. Okay? It says there, And I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. What was he talking about? He's been talking about Joshua the high priest, his sins being forgiven, new clothes, rich clothes, clean turban, back into ministry. He's on his high priest seat. Now people are there before him. And Zechariah just drops in, or the Holy Spirit just drops in a thought. I have just removed the sin of a man in a moment. But he says, there's a day coming when I will remove sin for the land in a day. I would suggest that is Good Friday. I would suggest, if you don't agree, I'm not going to fall out with you. I can't stay at the end of the service to argue with you. I've got to be in Birmingham for an afternoon meeting. But I would suggest that's a word about the coming Messiah. That's a word speaking of the day when Jesus Christ would die on the cross. And in a day, the sins of the land would be removed. Blessed be his name. And the result of that great day, well, that each day will we invite his neighbor to sit under the fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. In other words, when sin is dealt with, peace is restored. Contentment is restored. We are now at peace with God. Sitting under the fig tree would be like you sitting out in your sun lounger in the garden. You know, you'll be relaxed. You'll be at ease. Problems will be solved. And it's, I would interpret that as peace with God. So may I just say in closing, please check how clean your clothes are. Now, you're all looking very smart. Please, that's nothing rude here. Spiritually. Say, so, well, Gordon, I can identify with this man. There was a time when I was really going for God, but I spilled a cup of tea. I tripped up. Don't dodge it. Take responsibility for it. It's sin. Then ask him to give you some clean clothes and a clean turban. And you get back. I nearly said get on your bike and start pedaling, but you know, you know what I mean. Because forgiveness and restoration is available. But it's on his basis, not yours. You have to acknowledge and then you have to accept and then walk in his ways. Keep his commandments. And then you will be able to govern. You will be restored to what God wants you to be. I have no idea what that is. And go home and remember that 500 years before it happened, God told us that he would remove sin from the land in a day. And he did it by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. You've listened well. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for the warm welcome I've received. I always do. Thank you, Lord, that although this is a difficult passage, I just pray that something I've said will be helpful to someone. Lord, if I've said anything that you're unhappy with, just maybe just forget it. But Lord, if I've said something that's from you to them, I just pray that they will apply it to their lives. I ask, Lord, that the next time I come to this church, somebody might come up to me and say, do you like my rich garments? And I'll know exactly what you've done, Lord. Amen.
Thank you for listening. So we thank Gordon for sharing this morning. We really do. And don't let those things that come on our lives, don't let the spill on our garments become a stain. And the story that that he's just shared and what he's just shared shows that we can be set free and we can walk in fresh life. And so sometimes in life, things come upon us. Sometimes we trip up and cause things. We fall into things and there's a stain, as it were. Things spill on us. But we can find the freedom. The spill doesn't have to be the stain on our lives. And we're reminded of that this morning. And that's great. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And our thanks to Gordon and Kay for this morning. God bless you. Thank you.